And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Well, good morning, Lena, and happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. It's an extremely busy news cycle for us this week. It certainly has been uh, because we can't get any definite, you know, any confirmations. Everything's vague and under wraps and it's a bit all confusing. And uh, mm. yeah, but we have some sort of confirmation, some certainty today, which is good news. All right. Which is what we're going to lead with. Uh, the summit between uh, the North Korean Russian leaders did, in fact, take place. But as Adam has mentioned, that the wording has kept, been kept vague purposefully uh, yeah. by the two leaders and the regime. So that's something that you would have to take. Uh, into consideration as we jump into our first keyword of the day. Kim Putin talks. So Kim Jong-un has met with Vladimir Putin in Russia in a highly scrutinized visit, which was expected, uh, which was actually expected to yield an arms deal. Now, it's unclear if any deals have been made, but that's what we're watching for. What did they discuss for sure, Adam? Yeah, so it's only been the first uh, couple of days since uh, Kim actually was in Russia. So... He still has a bit of time there for any arms deal to be uh, signed. But uh, as as things stand now, nothing seems to have been signed at the moment, uh, at least according to news reports. Uh, anyway, and comments coming out from uh, Russia. Now, the meeting took place at the Vostochny Cosmodrome uh, and lasted over four hours. The meeting taking place there in itself uh, is kind of a hint at the signs that North Korea wants uh, some uh, technology transfers from Russia in terms of the satellite uh, technology. Now, both leaders reaffirmed their commitment to enhancing military cooperation. Kim vowed full and unconditional support for Putin, making an apparent reference to the war in Ukraine. Uh, Putin expressed willingness to assist North Korea in the development of advanced technologies, including satellites, hence why the summit took place at that space center. Uh, he was also quoted as saying that he hopes to talk about economic cooperation and humanitarian issues. So it wasn't just all about um, weapons and satellites. Now, in a toast, they also criticized Western powers as imperialists and evil. Uh, besides advanced space technology, Kim is also thought to have asked for food aid as well from Russia. Now, while Russia was widely believed to be seeking an arms deal with North Korea, the meeting ended without any major announcements on weapons, although Putin did acknowledge that the issue uh, was on the agenda. He did hint that it would be talked about. Now, the, uh, the summit was held um, privately, without a joint declaration or public signing ceremony, it's not yet clear whether the two leaders did discuss uh, arms trading or the extent of Russia's assistance in North Korea's satellite technology development. Of course, North Korea launches these so-called satellite launches, which are usually um, under the guise of basically ballistic missile launches. So they are still banned under UNSC uh, resolutions. Uh, the Kremlin earlier said their talks may involve sensitive issues that would not be made available publicly. Um, if you consider that any arms deal with North Korea is violations of uh, UN Security Council resolutions, of course, they're not going to be uh, publicly advertising that mm. such deals were made. So hence why any uh, deals or potential deals that were uh, potentially discussed uh, won't be publicly known or announced. Uh, that is the assumption anyway. Now, Kim plans to visit various Russian cities during his stay. So this means there is still time for a possible signing mm. uh, of an arms deal and further possible news of it if it does come. 
you can see I'm still speaking very vaguely here in kind of vague and uh, right, right. uncertain terms, but uh, that's uh, the situation so far. But um, it does seem like uh, Putin himself has said that uh, military cooperation is on the agenda. So mm. we'll have to wait and see if such talks do emerge. Because at least the big takeaway is that North Korea and Russia has very openly expressed their support for each other, namely Kim supporting the war in Ukraine very openly. What that would lead to, you're right, has been kept purposefully vague uh, because it would counter to the standing uh, UNSC resolutions. But we would have to rely on intelligence reports to see if, in fact, that arms deal does get made. Uh, here's the thing. Now, North Korea has warned that they will continue to develop their weapons program and that they have done. The meeting just an hour uh, after North Korea fired two short-range ballistic missiles into the East Sea. Can you tell us the details of that launch? Yeah, so quite interesting to see that uh, a provocation or these missile launches actually took place without Kim actually in the country. So it's... Uh, most definite that uh, Kim wasn't there to oversee such launches. Now, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, pretty much uh, the same comments that come uh, with each provocation that North Korea carries out. It said it detected the launches from an area in or around Sunan in Pyongyang between about 11.43 and 11.53 a.m. Uh, the missiles flew some 650 kilometers, and the JCS again strongly condemned the launches, calling them violations of UNSC resolutions, and they said the military is closely monitoring activities and signs from the country in close coordination with the U.S., uh, and it actually marks the first time the North has fired a ballistic missile uh, while Kim is outside of the country. That's probably because it's very rare for Kim to leave the country mm. in the first place. So um, there you have it. So it seems like North Korea's weapons testings and provocations are still going strong, whether the leader is there or not. All right. So this meeting signaled clearly a new era of uh, the relationship between uh, Moscow and Pyongyang amid speculation. Again, North Korea would send more weapons to Moscow. Uh, the global community's response. Let's take a closer look at that. Our second keyword of the day. Arms deal. So warning. As, sorry. <laughs> a warning. You're right, because there was no arms yeah. deal made from what we understand. Right, sorry, I left out a word there. <laughs> now, as comments coming out from the Kim Putin summit are giving stronger indications of a possible arms deal, the U.N. and the U.S. are expressing concerns. What were their reactions? Right. So they're more vocal in their concerns. But of course, there are other international parties that are, of course, going to be concerned as well. And other continents around the world because of a potential arms deal. Europe, for one, namely, will be concerned, although there hasn't been any quite a strong uh, rhetoric coming out uh, from that continent. Now, U.S. Secretary General Antonio Guterres said all countries must abide by resolutions that ban arms exports from North Korea. Uh, he added that compliance with UNSC resolutions is of utmost importance. Now, although he didn't uh, directly mention Russia, his remarks uh, do seem to be aimed at Moscow, and it seems quite apparent. Now, he also condemned the North missile launches uh, that came uh, just uh, after the me uh, before the meeting, saying the uh, regime continues to violate UNSC resolutions. The U.S. also again uh, expressed concerns about growing defense cooperation between North Korea and Russia. Uh, John Kirby, the uh, NSC st uh, strategic communications coordinator, again warns that North Korea will face repercussions uh, from the United States and other countries should it provide weapons to Russia. And he also called on North Korea um, to stop its negotiations with Russia for a potential arms deal. Now, Kirby said the U.S. 
has actually not had any direct communication with North Korea on the issue, but he said Washington will not shy away from calling out uh, any illicit arms deals between Pyongyang and Moscow. So these comments are basically a repetition of what's been said over the past few days uh, from other officials as well. And he also noted that the US was not actually uh, currently engaged in any active dialogue with its key allies on the issue because a deal hasn't actually been reached uh, yet. But if it does, of course, uh, I think the um, condemnations and denouncements will, of course, follow. Uh, it potentially looks like an international law nightmare uh, should Russia go ahead with an arms deal. But again, purposely left vague because we don't have any confirmation that arms deal took place or will take place. Oh, my God, mm. that's getting confusing. Yeah, All right. Yeah. We have other headlines to cover this morning as well. So let's move on to our third keyword of the day. Big AI. So President Yoon has called on the private sector to make bold investments in what he called the super giant AI sector. Can you tell us more? Yeah, so roughly translated to super giant AI, large AI or big AI. Mm. But uh, yeah, main word being big there. So large <laughs> in size Massive. is the key point. <laughs> uh, yeah, is the point there. But uh, at a meeting to check up on the super giant AI sector, you said uh, AI and digital capacities are expected to determine the nation's industrial level. So he's obviously putting a lot of weight uh, into the importance of AI, uh, which is a future key technology that's being touted by the UN administration. And he stressed that the sector has an immense effect on semiconductors, data, platform services, as well as national security. Now, this uh, super giant AI refers to AI that is able to absorb large amounts of data to make general assessments or inferences similarly to humans. Uh, we've seen um, chat D, uh, GPT being one example in which such, uh, such technology it uses uh, it's, is used. We see a large data bank. Uh, or bank of data that's used by this mm. AI to basically create chatbots and uh, help uh, people um, with various needs. Now, you also placed a leading role in shaping digital regulations to allow for safe and fair access to AI while fostering more talent in the field as well. He reiterated uh, his commitment to establishing a universal digital order, raising concern over the Dissemination of fake news through AI and digital platforms. Of course, um, AI is still not quite perfect as it is. Uh, it still needs improvements, and there are some errors still. Uh, he added that AI should also be made to contribute to maximizing human freedom and welfare. And he also announced plans to establish an AI-focused high school in the southwestern city of Guangzhou and channel government investment into mm. large data clouds. So uh, um, nurturing such talent in the field is also uh, important as well, according to you. All right, let's move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Mortgage control. So Korea's financial regulator is set to tighten rules uh, governing banks' mortgage lending in response to rising household debt levels. Uh, would that be effective in curbing the overall household debt? Uh, tell us the details. Yeah, so the administration came into office saying that we're going to ease all these regulations, undo the ones that were done uh, that were made during the Moon Jae-in administration. And of course, that led to a lot of people taking out a lot of mortgage loans. And of course, subsequently, debt rises as well. And now the UN administration uh, or the Financial Services uh, Commission is saying um, 
it's a bit too hot at the moment, so they want to try and cool things down. Uh, the FSC basically intends to enhance the oversight of borrowers' repayment capacity and tighten regulations concerning debt service ratios. Uh, this DSR that we've been seeing a lot when we refer to use, uh, news in real estate. Now, this will ensure that borrowers receive a thorough assessment when applying for mortgage loans with 50-year maturities. Uh, BOK data shows household debt reached a record high in August, primarily due to surge um, in mortgages, and it marked the largest monthly increase since February uh, of last year. Now, the mounting household debt has been a key factor influencing the Bank of Korea's decision to maintain this tightening stance while keeping its policy rates at a restrictive level. It also uh, was highlighted as a concern by the IMF as well. Now, the 50-year mortgage, it was introduced earlier uh, this year, it was identified by the regulator as a major driver behind the sharp debt increase. These mortgages have gained popularity because they require lower monthly payment from borrowers, of course, being more attractive to them and more people being eligible for them as well under the UN administration. Now, to address the lenient lending behavior associated with 50-year loans, the FSC has emphasized the need for banks to conduct rigorous checks to prevent excessive lending. It has also decided to limit the loan term to 40 years for cases where borrowers can't prove that they can repay the loan over the entire period. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a much tougher screening of uh, borrowers. Um, but, however, for borrowers with a clear ability to repay uh, these 50-year mortgages, they will still be allowed for those high-income earners. Now, additionally, the FSC has made the rules for special rent support loans stricter, excluding certain applicants this is, of course, to ensure that these loans are targeted towards low-income households and those with genuine housing needs. Um, some applicants, like those with higher incomes or uh, those who own more than one house, will no longer be eligible for these loans. So really, um, there's still a focus on uh, giving out these loans to, or mortgages to those who actually need them. Mm. But uh, those are higher incomes and multiple real estate do not really. So that's why they're taking advantage of these ease regulations in mortgage uh, borrowing. So uh, the FSC wants to keep a tight knit on that uh, as well. And for our final keyword of the day, taking a closer look at the job market. Job additions. So Korea's new job additions rebounded in the month of August after slow growth in the previous four months. However, the growth was led mostly by seniors. So those numbers indicate that just a particular demographic got a certain kind of jobs. Yeah, so on the surface, it seems like, yeah, more jobs are going uh, are increasing. But right. uh, we always have to look at the details and always take these kind of data with a grain of salt uh, and see who is actually benefiting. Uh, Korea actually saw over 20 million people uh, employed for the second month in a row. However, manufacturing jobs have been uh, decreasing for eight consecutive months, and there were fewer young and male workers. Now, the number of employed people came to 28.67 million precisely in August. That's up about uh, that's up uh, 268,000 from a year earlier, according to Statistics Korea. The employment increase, which had been around 300,000 to 400,000 earlier this year, dropped to around 200,000 in July. It rebounded to around 200,000 or above that mark in August, showing a slight strong, a slightly stronger growth rate compared to the previous month. Um, this is the first time also in five months that we've been seeing such an increase. Uh, but uh, the agency noted that the growth was led by higher demand for caretaking services, which are usually taken up by an elderly population. 
um, and an increasing outdoor population as well. Now, those aged 60 and over had the lion's share of the jobs increase, those in their 20s and 40s. Uh, it has actually been decreasing. Um, now, while part of this decline is due to a, shrink, a shrinking youth population, it's worth noting that the rate of decrease has actually slowed for this demographic compared to previous months as well, but still a decrease nonetheless. So young mm. people, uh, it's still a challenging job market, unfortunately. Thank you so much, Ion, for today's coverage. Get some rest and we'll see you tomorrow. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.